This is Archive Atlanta, mini-episode one, first public execution. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey guys. So first, a huge thank you for being a patron of Archive Atlanta. Your monthly or one-time contribution allows me to purchase equipment, subscribe to historical resources, and generally try to make this the best that I can. There are so many little stories I stumble across in my research, and I it always pains me that I can't tell them all. So this series of mini-episodes is a great way for me to tell these smaller and yet equally amazing stories. Today I'm going to share the story of Atlanta's first public execution. It's important to keep in mind that this was the killing of a white man. Lynchings of African Americans were not considered data, so to speak, so they're not being factored in when someone says the first lynching of blank. I think it's important to qualify that the title of this episode um, and then kind of remember that in its proper context when I'm talking about it. Bradford Crockett was born in 1837, eight miles outside of Decatur. He was the only son out of six children. In 1855, his family would move to Harrelson County. There, he would fall in love with a neighbor's daughter, but the family disapproved. Maybe it was teenage angst or who knows, but Radford wanted out, so he stole $25 from his parents and moved to Atlanta. He would move again later to Alabama, and throughout his travels, he'd get into a lot of trouble. Normally, the trouble involves gambling and drinking. Crockett comes back to DeKalb County to rekindle with his first love, but it doesn't exactly work out the way he plans. In 1856, he marries Elvira McCorkle, and one year later, their son is born. Now, Radford was not exactly a model husband or father. On most days, you could find him hanging around the DeKalb County courthouse, drinking, gambling, and cockfighting. To make money, he would perform odd jobs and random business opportunities. Like the one time he purchased a herd of horses just before the Great Depression hits. He also gets caught flirting with the landlord's daughter, challenged to a duel, and fled on the last horse from that pack that he bought. He ends up hiding out in Florida for a while under an assumed name before returning to Atlanta. So he's back in Atlanta now, but he's not with his family. Crockett begins hanging around with John Cobb Jr. and Gabriel Jones, both from Atlanta and both from some well-known families. And that's what I found most ironic about this whole story is that all of these three men were from what we would call upper middle class families that were well known. So not exactly super wealthy or prominent, but everybody knew who these guys were. Just a short while later, the three of them saw an old man pushing a wagon being pulled by a mule. Cobb suggested that they rob the wagon and that it probably had about $600 worth of goods. The owner and driver of this wagon was Samuel Landrum, a farmer, Landover, and Justice of the Peace in Carroll County. Samuel, as many people did, they basically came to Atlanta to exchange goods or buy things. So Samuel had taken a herd of cattle to Atlanta earlier in the week, and he kind of made his rounds of material purchases to bring home. Now, as they approached Landrum, he asked the man for help untying his mule, and then he offers them a ride. While riding, the men decide to act, and it's Crockett that slams his head with a bag full of a heavy object, so I'm I'm assuming a giant rock. They beat him within an inch of his life. 
And this all occurs in the spot that is now pretty much across the street from the Atlanta Federal Penitentiary. It was near here that they dragged Samuel's body into the woods and they checked their bounty. And you know what they found? 55 cents and a bottle of whiskey. Cobb and Jones split and went home and Crockett went to sleep at his boarding house. The following day, two men named Benjamin and Josiah found Samuel in the woods. He was barely hanging on for life. Dr. Westmoreland, who I mentioned in the Grady episode, I think, he gave the examination. And Samuel's skull was fractured in 20 pieces, and he would die just a few days later. So cue the search posse. Atlantans start coming out of the woodwork, remembering that they saw a group of men um, over here, over there. You know, we saw them walking by the Atlanta Rolling Mill, which is now in Cabbage Town, and then right after the attack. So they're piecing the, the timeline together. And the thing is, the group was gone. Once they heard that Landrum was alive, they knew it was trouble. So Cobb and Jones, they didn't really trust Crockett, and they ran separately. Crockett heads home to his family, confesses, they give him a horse, and they tell him to go. And he would make it as far as Talladega, Alabama, before being arrested and sent back to Atlanta at the end of April in 1858. So now, he's in jail. While he's in the Fulton County Jail, he became a sort of celebrity. He confesses to the crime, he started giving interviews, and that's how we have this information that I'm sharing with you. William K. published a booklet about the crime, all taken from his in-person meetings with him. I mean, this is all his words to this man. In the courtroom, a professional phrenologist tells the judge that Radford Crockett committed the crimes because of alcohol. Basically, he was really drunk. His father stood by his side during the hearing. He also asks for forgiveness. He's baptized by the Methodist Reverence C.W. Key. Um, an attorney, Charles Murphy, so I think he's a big name in Decatur, if I got to check my sources here, but he was appointed to represent Crockett. But this poor attorney could not get his client to plead not guilty. So because Crockett wouldn't do that, they didn't even bother to assemble a jury, and Radford is sentenced to death by hanging. He would head to the gallows on June 18th, not too long after he committed the crime. The usual custom of the time, ready for this? To ride to the site inside the coffin, already wearing your funeral clothes. Uh, the gallows were located on Frazier and Love Street, and by using the complicated Atlanta road name Jenga Game, I have concluded that this is present-day Pittsburgh or Summerhill. The crowds gathered... 10,000 to 15,000 people came to watch this morbid curiosity that was Atlanta's first public execution. Crockett was just 20 years old, and he would die in front of his family and this massive crowd. Cobb and Jones had already been arrested around the same time as Crockett. A grand jury indicted them on the murder charges, and Crockett actually wrote them to the state prison where they were, urging them to repent so that they all meet again in heaven. Cobb would be hung one year after Crockett, maintaining his innocence until his dying breath. Jones pled guilty and accepted life in prison, although this little thing called the Civil War came about, and he was paroled to fight against the Yankees. So what did he do? He deserted and he escaped. He lived out his life somewhere in the North under an assumed name. So there you have it, the story of Atlanta's first public execution of a white man. 
Thanks for being patient as I release this. I am so excited to bring you more. Um, and there is one more mini episode coming in the month of August.